Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping product managers become product masters. Listen and get ready to take your career to the next level for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, your host, and this is where you make your move from product manager to product master. You'll learn how to do that right here, but I also have online training that takes you through the four levels of skills that makes you a product master. You'll find out more about that at the same place where the show notes are for this episode, and that's the everydayinnovator.com slash 140. Now, creating a successful product requires a diverse set of skills, and one of them is properly validating a product concept. One form of this is market validation, understanding what a market segment values in the form of a product that solves a meaningful problem for that ideal customer that is represented in that market segment. And to explore the steps for conducting a market validation, I spoke with Brian Elenko, who works on strategic planning and commercialization initiatives for National Oil Well Varco. Brian's been working in the oil and gas industry for about 10 years across various design, engineering, and management roles. In one of these roles, he implemented new product development systems to drive increased collaboration and innovation, which makes him a great guest for you, the everyday innovator. I hope you enjoy the discussion. Brian, thanks for joining the Everyday Innovators. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It was a pleasure to meet you through the Product Development and Management Association, PDMA. And you're coming to the conference in Chicago in November. This is not a a paid announcement for this. This is just something we happen to be both involved in. And uh, listeners should be hearing this before November when it comes out. And the topic you're addressing there is market validation. And I wanted to spend some time with you now, you know, discussing through that a little bit. Let's just dive in. Can you describe that? What is market validation? Sure. The way I see market validation is that first and foremost, it's a reality check. It's a reality check on your business opportunity. It's a reality check on your customer. It's a reality check on the pain you're trying to solve and the solution that you're trying to propose. So, you know, that's one way of looking at it. The other way that I look at it is more in terms of a process that helps you to uncover snippets of reality from anecdotal statements. And what I mean by that is any statement or any comment that you hear is pretty much an anecdotal statement if it's not backed by any uh, hard facts or evidence. Mm -hmm. So um, unless you have hard data to back something that you're trying to uncover, it's essentially an anecdotal statement. So uh, market validation hopefully should help you uncover the reality behind those anecdotal statements. And finally, I think market validation is a process to help you see if there's any agreement between what you see, what you hear, and what you feel or experience. And what I mean by that, for example, is that market validation should help you realize if what you're hearing uh, regarding your product from the customer mm-hmm. aligns well with your field results and if it aligns well with your gut instincts mm-hmm. about how the product is being received in the marketplace. So hopefully market validation sort of uh, gives you some sort of a process to figure out if that alignment exists. If it doesn't, then maybe give up on that opportunity. If it does, maybe uh, keep rolling ahead. Right. Right. 
there's two parts of that that you shared that I, I want to just emphasize. I like the reality check perspective. Market validation is a really important concept to me because too often product managers can rush into, you know, or the product team can rush into developing the product without a clear understanding, are we developing the right product, right? Are, are we building something that actually creates more value for the customer or are they going to end up choosing our competitors because that creates more value for them, right? And figure this out before we spend the money developing, right? Yeah. And the other thing you said was it's a process, which means that there's steps involved that we can we can take action on and do a better job with market validation. Trust me, when we talk about market validation, sometimes there's some confusion between customer validation and market validation. And I tend to think of them more unified and I'm sure not everyone does, but I tend to think, you know, if I can go talk to one person and Mm -hmm. understand how they think about this and then talk to a few more and then talk to a few more, you know, now I'm getting to, uh, you know, if, if I can form a segment around them, now I'm getting to a a market that I can represent. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there needs to be, a clear understanding of customers and the marketplace. Mm-hmm. That they can't be independent of each other. They go hand in hand. So when you define, for example, a market pain, market pain in relation to which customer, that should right. be very clear. If not, uh, you're just stating a pain point that might exist in some market segment that you probably don't want to play in, that might be relevant to some customer who shouldn't be a customer. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So, um, to your point, you know that needs to be uh, that hand-in-hand agreement between customer and the marketplace. Right. And for some given product, you know, maybe we are looking at twenty to twenty-five-year-olds who purchase on Amazon, right? And and maybe for the same product, we also have a different market that we characterize as baby boomers who mm-hmm. are buying on Walmart online. I haven't, you know, no idea. I'm just throwing this out. Yeah. Um, okay. So these different segments. And as I said, we don't always do market validation, sure. and I, it's an important topic for both of us. Uh, what are the problems that are created when product managers aren't doing market validation properly or just kind of blow by it and don't spend the time on it? So uh, I've, been in the, uh, I've been involved with product management in some capacity or the other for, say, eight years now. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that uh, there are certain problems that you can observe uh, that exists that are probably a result of uh, unclear market validation or lack of market validation. And then I feel that a lot of problems that you don't know exist in the background. So what I'm going to try and do here is pretty much list a few of the problems that I've noticed exist hmm. if you don't do any uh, market validation. Okay. First and foremost, I think uh, if you don't have a clear market validation done, you're potentially uh, delaying a successful product launch. You'll probably uh, release a product into the marketplace that's not going to add any sort of value to the company or your product line in general. Uh Second thing, the company is going to take a hit to its financial goals. At the end of the day, your revenue is going to come from the products or services you're going to put out there to the marketplace. So if you don't have a clear market validation, and you don't have a clear path to market figured out, the company is probably going to take a hit to the financial goals because you're probably going to release a product that's bound to fail. Uh Third thing I would like to highlight is that if you don't do market validation, 
you're probably gonna allocate your uh, resources inefficiently. So there might be cases where you go ahead with projects that should have been awarded at all costs. And then without doing market validation, you probably still uh, forge ahead with that project. And then you end up allocating resources to an inefficient project. So that's one of the things to watch out for when you don't do any market validation. And um, I think at the end of the day, when you know thinking about it in terms of product management, you want to have a feedback loop. You want to hmm. figure out the ideas that work, the ideas that didn't work. And then um, at some point in the future, if you want to go back and revisit certain ideas, you know exactly why it didn't work. So market validation is a way for you to figure out if certain ideas have been evaluated in the past and know exactly why it didn't work. So, um, you know, the, the reason I mentioned that is because there might be scenarios where if you're looking at certain ideas uh, and they may not have any relevance at this point in time in the marketplace, but then it could be of some value at some point in the future. So if you have this feedback that you can fall back on, you could revisit it at some point in the future and figure out if that marketplace at that point in the future could benefit from that solution or that idea that you had in mind. Yeah, the, the trends might just not be lining up right for, yeah. you know, for your solution to be feasible or to really catch on with the market right now and yeah. come back to it. So everyday innovators listening, there's a point I want to underscore there too, that you started with, you know, delaying a successful launch, you know, does it add value or not? And I think most of us that have been in product management a little bit, we clearly get the idea that without market validation, we're taking a real risk if we're going to create something that is of value to the customers, right? Because mm-hmm. our interpretation of what they might need probably isn't <laughs> accurate you know, without doing the market validation. But the other thing, the first thing you started with was delaying a successful launch that yeah. indeed by taking the time up front, we're not talking a lot of time to do this, but you know, taking the time to do market validation can actually help us to focus our resources on the right thing and get mm-hmm. to launch more quickly than if we don't do it. Definitely. I mean, uh, there, there's this interesting line that Rob Adams uses uh, Rob Adams, uh, he uh, teaches at uh, University of Texas in Austin. Hmm. Uh, he has this book called If You Build, They Will Come. And he uses this analogy of ready, aim, and fire. Right. So market validation essentially fits in there. You know, market validation is your way of figuring out if you're ready to launch this particular idea, if the market is ready to receive that idea. And then you figure out a way to execute on it. So that's another way to think mm-hmm. about it. You know, are you ready? Are you focused on the market segment that you want to target? And then are you ready to execute on it? Right. And that analogy gets used a lot, especially in marketing that ready, aim, fire. And you, yeah. and you can imagine an archer that is, you know, aiming at, at a target 50 yards away, you know, yeah. in, in archery. And if you just pull the bow back and fire without looking at the target, Your chances of hitting the target aren't very good. And often we end up doing a ready, fire, aim sort of approach when we don't do market validation. And that market validation helps us with the aiming part. So uh, let's talk about the effective characteristics of a market validation process. Mm -hmm. You emphasize this was a process we could follow. It doesn't have to be something that is very extensive. Um, Mm -hmm. What what should that process, what what are the characteristics involved? I believe in this idea that any solution to a particular problem 
should attack the key characteristics of the problem. Mm -hmm. So in terms of market validation and just looking at, say, incremental innovation projects, when I say incremental innovation projects, I'm talking about product line revisions or um, product line additions, for example. A lot of times people avoid market validation just because they think it requires a lot of work Hmm. and the amount of work that goes behind it sort of stops people from spending time on it and truly understanding the marketplace, the customers, the pain, the solution. Uh, They feel it's time consuming. Then there's also some level of arrogance, if I want to call it that, or fake comfort, because I believe in the case of product line additions or product revisions that they know the customer very well. They feel like they can speak for the customer very well. And I think that's uh, very arrogant to think of that. Um, And so market validation, if it's done effectively, should address those major issues. So a good market validation should be quick in terms of incremental innovation projects. It should be concise to the point. And it should also be easy to execute. There needs to be some idea on how you would go about collecting the information that would help you figure out if the idea is worth mm-hmm. going ahead with. And uh, one of the things that I remember, um, I actually even encountered this recently, Mark Zuckerberg, I, fa- I think famously uses this line in Facebook. He says, move fast and break things. So market validation is one way to do that. It's, it's a quick way to uh, check the marketplace to figure out if a particular idea has uh, enough traction. Mm-hmm. And um, if it doesn't have enough traction, just move on to the next idea, see how you can uh, build on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes we do get caught in that loop of believing that we do know the customer really well. And, yeah. and because of that, we've done the market validation and we can just move on. The reality is, there's been certainly times when I've been working as a product manager where I would say, I know the customer really well, but that's yeah. because I just spent a week with them, you know, observing what they did, watching what they do, talking with them and have some pretty good insights because of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And now six months has gone by and we're looking at maybe doing that incremental improvement to the product line. And I think, Oh, I know the customer really well, yeah. but the reality is I probably haven't talked to them in the six months. Mm-hmm. And, and things change. The marketplace changes quickly enough that, that we need to take time to make sure we're doing the market validation to understand what now is important to them. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on two things. One of the things that you um, hit the nail on has to do with the timeliness. So at times, uh, there might be a need in the marketplace uh, for a particular pain point to be solved. But if we take too much time to address that pain point, maybe that pain point is no longer relevant. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I want to talk about that you just mentioned uh, probably has to do with the type of customers and the number of customers. Sometimes you probably spend a lot of time sitting down with one customer and you know all their pain points and you think every other customer in their line of work probably has the same pain point. There are so many occasions that I've noticed in the past, given my experience, that some pain points are very unique to one customer. Uh So you also get into the situation where you develop a product particular to the pain points faced by one customer. And then you release this product, and then you realize that it's probably not relevant for 
other customers in that line of work. It's just relevant to that one customer. Right. So you end up uh, you end up with a product that's on your shelf that's just relevant to that one customer, and your revenue again is restricted to how many units that particular customer ends up buying from you. It's a really good point, and it happens you know frequently in that situation, like when the salesperson comes back with the really big account opportunity and says, yeah. you know, we we just need to do these three things, you know, but yeah. maybe no one else cares about those three things, and yeah. you and I have both seen that happen before. We don't need to be building the one-off product that isn't going to yeah. serve the better needs of our actual market segment. So Yeah, and sales managers, they tend to fly high with their ambitions. I mean, not to bring down sales managers, but they tend to uh, be very aspirational, and which is a good thing to have people like that in your company. But then market validation is one way to help them to stay grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. So if you want to think about it as a rural connected to the ground that helps them to stay on ground uh, or be grounded in reality. That's one way to think about market validation. Yeah, it definitely is an important element. You know, this gets complicated in real life, right? Because we have sales involved and marketing involved and probably an executive, maybe even the CEO. And, you know, there might be certain energy put behind a specific customer, you know, between these different groups at times. Uh, the mar- and, and, you know, CEO wins in the end, right? If we're going to build the one-off product, we build the one-off product for a customer. But the market validation gives us some real information to credibly talk about this is the situation. And then we can make a better informed decision together about yeah. how we move forward. And market validation also works as uh, a process that helps you be the devil's advocate. So mm-hmm. a lot of times, to your point, certain executives might have uh, pet projects and they want to see it through. And uh, market validation is one way to not attack their ego and then just give them an objective assessment from the marketplace saying that, okay, we know that you like this project a lot and you want to see it through, but we've got an objective assessment here that you probably want to take a look at. And it's much more easier to get them to agree uh, to do something in the best interest of the company at that point, as opposed right. to trying to challenge or uh, trying to challenge their efforts in general. Yeah, this is a little bit of a side just for everyday innovators to realize that, that this does become political at times. And the, the one extreme example I'll share is, in one case, the market validation was done quite reasonably, very credible, and it clearly said this product should not move forward, right? And the CEO of the organization chose to move it forward regardless, and it ended up not being successful in the marketplace. But that year, the CEO's compensation from the board was based on how many new products get into the marketplace. And in this case, it's like, okay, that, that's our, our best shot at a new product. We're going to push it forward. And so, you know, sometimes we do the work and still things don't end up the way that we think they should be. We just have to be aware of that. that that's, that's life, and that's, you know, the reality that we work in some of the time. So... Most organizations are better organ are better set up than that. <laughs> so we hope. Yeah, but you gave a perfect example of misaligned incentives. Right. Exactly. So, you know, with product development as a process, as such, you want to be clear about if your heart is in the right place, if your incentives are also lined up in the right manner. If not, uh, you create these perverse situations where people end up doing things that run contrary to what you set out to do. Right. Yeah, definitely a good point. Yeah, aligning those metrics matter. So we talked about that this was a process. So can you share a little bit about how we actually conduct market validation? 
Definitely. So I'll just give a quick high level view of how I typically approach it. So you want to be clear about uh, what kind of market validation you're trying to do. Is it focused on an incremental innovation project like product line addition or product line revision? Or is it focused on a new to the world game changing product? And the reason I mentioned that is because there's certain differences um, in terms of how you go about with your market validation. So let me give an example on incremental innovation and show how it changes when you go to game-changing products. Okay. So in terms of incremental innovation, like I was mentioning earlier, you want to start with the customer. What kind of customer are you really focused on? Uh, what kind of market segment do they fit in? Understand everything that you can about the customer and define the customer. Because once you define the customer, only then it's much more easier to define your pain points because pain points always should be relevant to the customer. So you start with the customer, then you define the pain points relevant to that particular customer, and then you figure out the solution that you're trying to propose. Is it relevant to the customer? Is it relevant to the pain points that you've identified? So those three things become really crucial in market validation and in that particular order, customer, pain points, and solution. And once you get them defined, what I try to do is, uh, you know, take a step back and understand the assumptions behind everything that I've listed out. I probably have listed out certain characteristics in terms of my customer. I've listed out certain pain points. I've listed out my proposed solution. But then I also try to list out my assumptions or the, the things that I take for granted when I listed out the details behind the customer pain points and the solution. And the reason I do that is market validation should be a way to figure out if your assumptions are essentially the facts from the marketplace. If they're not the facts from the marketplace, your assumptions are exactly what they are, their assumptions. Mm -hmm. So market validation, another way to think about it is a way to figure out if your assumptions are truly the facts that the marketplace wants you to know. If not, uh, if you realize that that's a mismatch, then there's probably uh, a good idea to give up on that opportunity. And uh, the other thing that I would say in terms of how you should conduct market validation would be, first and foremost, uh, you want to start with uh, interviews, I would say face-to-face -face interviews, even before you decide on what type of market validation you want to do, like a survey-based validation or a focus group-based validation, I would say, sit down with your preferred customer uh -huh. and do a couple of interviews. And there's enough research behind it that shows that if you sit down with, say, eight different uh, customers or 10 different customers, you can uncover close to 80% of the needs in the marketplace or the 80% of the pain points in that marketplace. So I would say in terms of conducting this market validation, start with simple face-to-face -face interviews get a sense of the pain points, get a sense of the needs in the marketplace. And then, uh, depending on what you uncover, decide what would be a good uh, way to proceed. So that could involve a type of online survey, or it could involve uh, a focus group for that matter, or it might just involve uh, additional interviews, or it could involve industry workshops. So I would say that would be a good way to uh, proceed. Again, I'm talking about it from a high level. Mm -hmm. uh, quick point about game-changing innovations or game-changing products. The only difference I would 
um, add to that in terms of game-changing products is that a lot of times you don't know um, enough information about the potential customer, so you might want to spend enough time uh, understanding what kind of customer this particular product or idea that you have in mind might be relevant to. Uh-huh. So in terms of time limit, I would say you want to take uh, a lot more time when you're looking at uh, game-changing innovations or new-to-the-world products, because obviously you're going to bear the brunt of uh, uh, the experience or like the pain points in terms of launching the particular product into the marketplace. So it's good if you take your time, do your homework, uh, do it in a much more relaxed manner. Yeah, I appreciate the distinction there too between the incremental and new to the world. And, yeah. and it's all innovation. It's all what yeah. falls under product management. But in one case, we're starting likely with an existing market, a group of customers and a product, and we're trying to make it better for them and add value. You know, or, or find find a, a line variation, a, a new version of a product for them, versus the the new to the world one, which is you know here's a product that people haven't seen or used in this way, or hasn't been brought into this market. Yeah. You know, it'd be new to them, and it made me think a little bit of the distinction between design thinking as a tool and lean mm-hmm. startup thinking, where in in design thinking we start with a a group, right? We start with a market and we mm-hmm. go and we, we empathetically try to understand really how they're feeling about the situation and a problem and uncover the pains. And Lean Startup, as its name implies, often gets applied to that startup situation where a founder has come up with, here's a new to the world, game-changing product mm-hmm. in some sense. And we need to figure out where, where does it fit? Who, who would who would buy this thing? Who, who's the most likely, you know, customers? And how do we need to, you know, may, maybe pivot our idea originally to fit better a group we found that has some interest in it, and you know, go through those sort of steps. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting that you pointed out the uh, definition of lean startup, for example, because a lot of times there are scenarios where certain products or ideas get kicked around in a big company, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. And, you know, we don't necessarily know where it fits. So we still proceed with that particular product without enough market validation. And then we try uh, searching for a customer or a pain point to solve with that particular product. So I've seen that happen in a lot of big companies where they push ahead without enough market validation. And uh, they end up getting into a scenario where they build that product and then they run into the marketplace looking for a customer to force uh, and get them to buy this product or looking for some pain point that may not even exist in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. You know, they might make the effort to create the pain point or give the impression that that pain point exists to push this product into the marketplace. Right. And sometimes, you know, you talked about the feedback loop earlier. Sometimes it's a matter of timing. You know, yeah. probably one of the famous examples we all know is the 3M post-it note. Yeah. It took seven years from the time of at the time they were trying to come up with a a really good adhesive, an industrial strength adhesive. Yeah. And one of the trials, right? So you do lots of experiments, you figure out, you know, how to end up with this. One of them was this really bad adhesive, apparently, but it, it had this re-stickiness. You could pull it off and reapply it and yeah. it, it maintained stickiness. Seven years later, we have post-it notes, right? They, they found a application for it and a market and, you know, the market was receptive at it at that time. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, just to quickly add to that example, uh, 
if I'm right, if I'm getting the name right, it's called Iridium. Am I right? Uh, the, the product or the cell phone uh, mm. that uses different satellites. Yeah, the satellite cell phone. To, yeah, exactly. And uh, I think they initially identified the market segment incorrectly or they identified the customer incorrectly. Uh, and uh, so they were going out going after the local or the consumer market when mm-hmm. essentially that would have been a product that should have focused more on disaster relief areas or groups that could potentially benefit from that or military organizations for that matter. Yeah. And the Iridium satellite phone is a good example of that changing environment because as we had cell phones picking up and more coverage of cell phones, yeah. you know, a cell phone that you can get for tens of dollars a month versus hundreds of dollars a month for the sat phone. Yeah. It made sense to the basic consumer, right? And like you yeah. said, but not maybe the wilderness emergency relief person that can't yeah. get cell phone coverage. So Definitely. good example. And I suspect listeners might be thinking about, well, if I'm going to do these interviews, you know, how do I construct those? And frankly, we're going to have to delve into that on another episode <laughs> to talk about interviews. But, you know, when I think about interviews, they first feel kind of scary. Like, you know, how do I structure these? What do I ask? But in reality, a lot of it is just being curious with your customer and trying to understand how they, what what has been their experience with this problem? What have they tried before? How do you feel about it? You know, what did you find that works? What's still frustrating? And just being curious and and without giving like an interview script, what what are your thoughts real quick on on actually conducting these interviews for market validation? Yeah, I I think uh, the initial set of interviews, especially when you're trying to just talk to a few customers, get a lay of the land, I would say the best thing that you can do is ask your customer a set of open-ended questions. That's the best possible thing that you can do because the moment you avoid open-ended questions and you push them in a certain direction, you're obviously Mm -hmm. leading them and you might end up getting the answers that you want to get. And that's the worst thing that you can do. So a lot of times when I do sit down with customers or I do interviews in general, I tend to ask open-ended questions and I try to get a sense of their thought process or where exactly they're leading with an answer. And that normally gives me an idea of which pain points or which issues they see as being a lot more important than you know certain others that you might have on your list. And uh, the other thing I would probably want to highlight in terms of doing these interviews is to make sure that you go with the flow. I know it's a, it's a term that's used very often, but especially at, you know, in a situation where you're sitting down and with the customer just to get a lay of the land, you don't want to go through a list of questions, say one to 10, just hoping that you can right. ask all of them. But you just want to start with an open-ended question, see how it goes, and then figure out a good follow-up question and then take it from there. So that way, you might even uncover gems or uncover issues or pain points that you initially weren't looking for. So your whole product or market validation exercise might even take a turn for good. It might even lead you in a different direction, which is, I think, still positive. So focus on open-ended questions. And one of those is just why, right? Asking why frequently works great. Good. Well, thank you for sharing some insights into market validation. For listeners who want to hear more, join us at the PDMA conference in uh, November because you'll be there speaking on this and there'll be lots of other good topics. And that's, uh, if you want to find out, you go to pdma.org and there's information there. 
As listeners know, I love innovation quotes, and I always ask guests for one. What quote do you have for us, and why did you choose that one? The, the quote that I often like to think about is one that was made popular by Wayne Gretzky. The great one. Yeah, exactly. The great one. Uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So I think it has relevance to me in terms of success and innovation. So I think when you think about success, it's, uh, it's, it's crucial that you move yourself out of your comfort zone, open yourself up to new experiences and opportunities to learn. And so that, that particular line Wayne Gretzky used is perfect to understand success. And in terms of innovation, going back to a point that I made earlier, made popular by Mark Zuckerberg, move fast and break things. So if that's one way to figure out what sticks and what doesn't stick, and to especially deal with uh, shortening uh, product life cycles, I think this is one way to think about it. You know, move fast, break things, take your shots, and know uh, you know uh, what they lead you to. Understand why things, certain things work, why certain mm-hmm. things didn't work, and use that experience to help you move ahead. I like that quote. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Uh, another one of my favorite ones. Uh, so if, if people don't know, Wengreski, nicknamed the great one, a uh, great, amazing hockey player. Another one of his quotes I love so much was, and I might get this a little bit wrong from my paraphrases, you know, I, I, I skate to where the puck is going, not where it is. Right. And, and, I think uh, Steve Jobs used to refer to Wayne Gretzky, especially for that particular line. He also believed in that idea. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to be that innovator who sees things going in a certain direction and jumps to the end point well ahead of others. Yeah. And if you're Steve Jobs, you, you can do that. He, he had yeah. amazing insights at where the market's going. So great. Thanks for sharing that with us. If people want to just follow up with you, what would you share in terms of uh, contact information or anything? I don't know if it's easiest to reach out to you on LinkedIn or or anything else you want to share. LinkedIn would probably be the easiest. I think my uh, LinkedIn address, if I can think off the top of my, top of my head, it should be linkedin.com slash IM slash Brian Alanco. But you should be able to find me on LinkedIn and I would definitely appreciate any feedback or thoughts or if there's any way I can share my insights. I would you know, be definitely open to it. Great. And I will put a link to that in the show notes for this episode. I looked it up for you on LinkedIn. It's uh, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, and then Elanko is E-L-A-N-K-O. So, yeah, it is LinkedIn slash I-N slash Brian Elanko. That's great. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for sharing information on market validation with us. And I look forward to seeing you in November at the PDMA conference. Yeah, thank you for your time again. And it was wonderful sharing my experience with market validation. And hopefully your listeners uh, definitely benefited from my insight or my experience. Great. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you're finding value in this podcast, please recommend it to others. I really appreciate it when you do that. The best way to do that is to leave a five-star rating on iTunes. Please take a moment now, if you will. It will help other product managers discover this podcast when you leave that five-star rating. And for a summary of the discussion with Brian, find the show notes at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 140. And also from that page, you can download the Product Mastery Roadmap that shows you the four levels to Product Master. That and more is at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 140. Keep innovating. 
Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit our blog at theeverydayinnovator.com.